I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. Here's the fangirls on Jackalope Radio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest and greatest fangirl radio show. I am your host, Jessica Dwyer, and with me tonight is the lovely and talented and awesome Ran Willox. Oh, I get three titles today. Woo-hoo. Well, yes, you're, you're my only co-host tonight. And also um, in the uh, shadow world is the ghostly and awesome Amanda, our producer, um, so tonight's episode is going to focus, of course, on the epic mid-season finale of both The Walking Dead and Once Upon a Time. And um, I, I probably was not alone when I yelled and screamed to the heavens, F you February! Like, At the end of that. Yes. yes. I've yes, been yelling like, F you March for a really long time, though, because <laughs> I've been waiting for Game of Thrones. So FU February is not quite as bad as FU March. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, but before we get into that, I do have quite a bit to go over in Weekend Geek as well. And as a special bonus, the audio that did not get eaten by my technical difficulties, I have um, a brief, very brief interview with uh, Chad L. Coleman, who you may or may not know is Tyrese. In The Walking Dead, we got him introduced to us uh, this weekend, and he was just as badass as he could be uh, from the comic books, Hammer and All, and um, I was very, very happy with that. And uh, they did change up the character, though, which was interesting, but we'll get into that when we get into our discussion. But I did want to give you guys a heads up that we will have a little brief interview with him, and uh, I'm sorry that it isn't longer, but the Gremlins ate like most of the audio off of my device. And I hate them for it. Anyway, on, on to happier things. <laughs> um, so the Week in Geek, the one thing that happened um, that uh, by the time this airs, it happened uh, earlier in the week, is the fact that we have a new Star Trek Into Darkness poster. that I saw it. It looks awesome. It, it looks so awesome, and it totally looks like they ripped off the Batman poster, but I don't care. <laughs> yes, it does, actually, come to think of it. Everyone and their brother thinks that, and it's fine, whatever. But I think it pretty much cements who Benedict Cumberbatch is portraying. Uh, there is no way he is not Gary Mitchell. And for those who don't know who Gary Mitchell is, allow my geekness to shine brightly like a sun as the I tell you. Parting. The clouds parted. and The rays descend. 
Yes, and and the the rays hit his glowing eyes. I don't know if he's going to have the glowy eyes uh, as uh, Mr. Benedict Cumberbatch uh, is portraying him. I'm, you know, this is all conjecture, but there's no way he didn't blow that hole open in that side of whatever that is and escape with his telekinetic powers. But Gary Mitchell is from early, early Trek, and it kind of works out because the second episode of Star Trek uh, was called Where No Man's Gone Before, and this is the second movie to, of New Trek. So it kind of is nice, copacetic thing that they're doing here. Um, and Gary Mitchell is a character who was a friend of Kirk's who uh, they go through, I believe it was a nebula, and he is uh, shocked in, by the, the power and energy within the nebula and uh, gets these just super psychotic uh, telekinetic powers. And uh, he becomes almost godlike. And it's not just him, though, that this happens to. Uh, it, there is another character, uh, Dr. Danner, who was played by um, the beautiful Sally Kellerman. And uh, she is also affected, but it takes a little bit longer for that to happen to her. And uh, what occurs is uh, Captain Kirk has to watch his friend, his very good friend, turn into a megalomaniac. Mm -hmm. And it's a great episode. And um, it, it, once uh, uh, Dr. Denner's character is uh, finally it clicks into place and she becomes the same way as he, um, she retains more of her humanity than he does at that point and helps stop him. Um, and he's going to basically kill Kirk and Spock and everybody on board and just really rain hell and fire and um, become a god. And uh, it's really awesome sci-fi to, to see. And I'm curious, I think, what I believe was going to happen in this. Because I was looking at, because they really need to have the Elizabeth Denner character, the Dr. Denner character in there to balance it out. And I think that's who Alice Eve may be playing. There's no um, word yet on her character's name. Uh, but she's a beautiful blonde. She could totally pull it off. And... That's what I think is going to happen. So we'll see. But uh, yes, the the poster is out and it looks great. And uh, the uh, I love the uh, the fact that he's wearing a long black coat because that's yeah. something that Benedict Cumberbatch should always wear. Yes. <laughs> and maybe um, a scarf. Uh, uh, a long black coat. Throw on uh, a scarf. Yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, so that uh, that was released this week, and then also released this week was a new Superman, uh, the Man of Steel poster, which looked really neat. Um, different from uh, others we've seen, it's basically Superman with handcuffs on being led around by a group of soldiers. Ooh. And, you know, that's something that he wouldn't need uh, or would work on him. So I'm curious to see Unless. what... Uh, uh, unless he's become weakling man, which I don't think they're going with that. I think he's trying to play nice with the humans kind of deal. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Uh, also, Wait, oh, go ahead. Like, no, that just sounds like exactly like Hancock. They're doing a Superman version of Hancock. Oh, okay. God, no. No, they're not. They're <laughs> so not. Oh, God, I hope not. Um, uh, then also, uh, I, I actually posted these on Fangirl. Pacific Rim, the new uh, Guillermo del Toro movie that's coming out next year, 
has some viral videos floating about online, um, much like they did with the awesome um, Cloverfield. And they look really, really great. They're fake news footage um, videos. And uh, one, I actually caught a still uh, from one of the high-definition videos. And it shows kind of, not very clearly, but you can see one of the alien creatures on that takes up basically the entire length of an aircraft carrier. And it looks awesome. I am so excited about this, uh, and from just the weird. oh man, I, I can't wait to see like what he was describing at Comic Con um, this year about the you can see the gears and the pi- the gyros within the the robots. Mm-hmm. That's how much detail is going on. So it looks really really great. Um, next thing, really quick, I got a, just a couple more, and then I know Ren's got some things to talk about too. Um, also in the Del Toro news, he just uh, confirmed his next directing gig is going to be Crimson Peak, which is a haunted house flick that he co-wrote. Cool. So he's going back to the horror genre, which is awesome. Awesome. Who's the co-writer? Um, I have to look. Uh, they're actually doing a rewrite. Um, it looks like uh, Matthew Robbins was the co-writer. Okay. And... Uh, uh, Lucinda Coxon is going to be the rewriter for the uh, the movie, so uh, it'll be out, um, I believe, in 2014. So we've got a little bit to go yet before we get that movie. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about uh, is the fact that Justice League sort of revealed who their new big bad is going to be in the movie, and it's going to be Darkseid from everything we, I've seen. Um, or dark side. I can, Did you say? You mean dark side, right? Yeah, I can always call him dark seed, dark side. It's it's. I was scratching I've my heard, head, going, "Who the hell?" I've heard I've seed? heard it pronounced both ways. So I was really. Yeah, I have. D a r k s i d e. It's d r d a r k s e i d. Is it? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just really dyslexic. Okay, all right. Yeah, so and that's why I've heard it pronounced both. I, I okay. but it's kind of funny. I saw somebody posted a photo of him taking on um, uh, the um, blanking on the name, but the bad guy that we saw at the end of of the Avengers. Uh, oh, his, uh, Thanos. But, Thanos but, yeah, and Dark Thanos. Side have like it's so funny. I don't remember which one of them came first, but somebody looked at the other guy. It looked and like looked across the table yeah. and went, huh. I think I'll just change his skin color, but uh, everything Pretty else is <laughs> I, I think it's funny that, that they're they're trying so hard. DC is trying so hard to pull in Avengers with this that they're they found the most look alike character. <laughs> I feel really bad for DC. Like I can't figure it out. I know that they can't just be copycatting Marvel, like on every freaking thing. Like that can that can't be it. They can't be that silly. And yet, like and yet, the last years, yeah, the last years worth of announcements from DC are all like, uh, yeah, Marvel already did that. Um. Yeah, pretty much. And and the thing that I found funny too, and I've said this before, I think on the show is Marvel. Their cartoons, their their direct DVD cartoons that they were doing, mm-hmm. were not that good. DC's, on the other hand, their direct They're, DVD cartoons are epically good. Yeah, and I, I 
kind of like, why don't you guys just stop making the the you know other than Batman and Superman, right. yeah, stop making live action flicks without you know your, your two main guys you got, and just yes. make your cartoons because the Wonder Woman one was awesome, mm-hmm. the um the new the um the i want to call it new frontiers i think that's what it was um that one was great that that was set back in the, you know the original stories and and it looked beautiful they they've done such a good job with all their batman cartoons mm-hmm. uh, i mean beneath the red hood was so good i i, mean, I don't know as, i totally agree with that but i don't think that it's impossible that they could do what marvel's doing like there's no reason that the broader movie going populace would have any preference for Marvel movies over DC movies. So there's no reason why DC can't, you know, put their feet on that same path. And and Marvel started out being very, very heavily involved, but somebody else had the had the final say in the first several flicks until they got their feet wet and they figured out what works and what didn't work, and then they say, okay, now we're going to do them. And then that's when they did Iron Man and, and I guess, the Hulk. And they said, and so that was like... But they had a whole process before that. They had a whole process where they were letting people have their characters, but they were saying, "Okay, but we're 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 working on this with you, so we can learn what you're doing." And then, and then they, you know, jumped out of the plane and they figured out how to do it. I mean, there's well, no reason DC can't do the same flipping thing. DC's got the, great characters. I, they do have great characters. They've got iconic characters. But I think the problem is they are so splintered on the styles of what their characters have done like green yeah. lantern was more of a i mean that you, you cast ryan reynolds as a as a hero who's does isn't known quite for being a, a smart ass really mm-hmm. which is what he was perfect as for deadpool right um which was marvel but then you're you're you've got the completely different style from that that batman went with Right. And then you've got the completely different style that you know Zack Snyder's going to go with. Um, it does with make Superman. it. It does make it damn near impossible to have the kind of you know joining of forces into a single film the way Marvel did with the Avengers. It does. Right. That's why that was. I still don't think it's outside the realm of the, the completely outside the realm of possibility. I think, you know, they need to have, a, a, you know, an eight-year plan like Marvel had. Marvel, Marvel had a plan. Yep. They said, okay, we're going to do these ones. And if they work, we'll do that one. And if that works, we'll do like four more. And then we'll do Avengers if they all work. I mean, it's it's a process. Well, but yeah, and that's the thing is Mar- um, DC doesn't want to wait. They want to get on that gravy train right now. I mean, I, I give them two years and we're going to have a, uh, a Justice League movie. No, that's just dumb. You have to build it up. You have to build it up, or you won't have the audience there waiting for you. No, there, there. I, I think that's what's going to happen. I honestly uh, do. And, and, and it will, it will crash and burn. But um, speaking of Marvel, one thing I wanted to to bring up too is they just they have cast the new Harry Osborn in the new Spider, the next Spider Man film. Hey, and oh I actually, God, no! Are you so? There's another Spider Man. Well, here's the thing, though. I I don't know if you or any... I, I, I actually really like this movie. It was a big surprise of how well uh, done it was. Was The, the Chronicle. Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, sorry. The Chronicle was a great flick. And if you haven't seen it, check it out. No, it's 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 a, a lo- not a high-budget movie, but it's, a, it's just really neatly done, cool flick. And it's sort of a... 
a pseudo superhero fl- film in one way, but in one way it's not. Uh, found, it's like a found footage movie, beautifully mm-hmm. shot. Great, I, I love the acting in it. Thought it was great. Um, Max Landis, I believe, uh, wrote and directed it, or at least wrote it. Um, yeah. So, and you know him from the the Life and Death of Superman thing. Yep. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, Dane Dane Dehan, I hope I pronounced that right. He played the bad guy in the Chronicle. He will be Harry Osborn. That works. I'm fine and that, that works really well. I, I think that's great casting. He was he played that part so well in the Chronicle of the mm-hmm. the loner type, and I can totally see him being um, Peter Parker's best buddy and then becoming his worst enemy. So um, is this as, the same? Is this is this a care a continuation of the Amazing Spider-Man with um, social network yes. guy? Yes. Okay. Oh man, I need to write a review for the site for that because I finally red boxed it. And I was so gutted by how close to awesome and yet crap that film was. They had some really great moments, but then they totally, like, uh, goobered it, was, it up. It was, I really have never seen a film like this where you'll be watching it and the scenes are spectacular and they're shot well and acted well and written well and you're going, this is amazing this is a really really quality film and then the very next scene is the dumbest thing you've ever seen in your life like i uh, joshua and i were in complete agreements going how is this so close to good and yet so bad yeah i had some problems with it i was surprised at how well it, how good it was i mean with the the travesty that was spider-man 3 well, yeah. they I, I think part of the problem was even though it wasn't i i, I don't remember how long it took them to make it Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like in parts it was rushed. Yeah, it really did. Uh, and kind of like piecemealed together. It really felt like I, I was thinking that whoever directed this is got multiple personality syndrome because some of these scenes are handled so well and some of these scenes are handled so poorly. It's it's like he checked out on certain days and had the PA do it. I, I couldn't figure out what, what was going on. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I was surprised with how how great it was for for what it was, but there were some definite issues. With yeah. It. All that being said, I did enjoy it, and I really did like Social Network guy. I don't remember his name. I just know that he was in Andrew Social Garfield. Network. Yes, Andrew he was good. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was a bit skinny, but yeah, he was good. <laughs> right. Um, right. But uh, yeah, no. On on the whole, I liked it. I liked the. Um, Croc was awesome. Croc, I've always wanted them to do a really good Croc on screen, and this was a really good Croc on screen. So uh, I was happy right. with that. I like Iphans. He's he's really good. Um, I I really enjoyed him in that. I, although some of the scenes with him were, and some of the things so, that he does were sort of weird, but yeah. <laughs> I think the people get the gist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they do too. Back and forth. Um, so, uh, with that being said, uh, Ren, what do you have for the Week in Geek? Well, a couple of things. Um, purely science geek, I was very, very excited to hear, uh, and this, oh yeah, I guess it was literally last week. Woohoo, I actually got one in the week. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the Messenger, uh, spacecraft, which is currently orbiting Mercury, which, in case you've forgotten second grade, is the closest planet to the sun, and has been orbiting for quite some time, has been doing really, really deep scans, and went over the poles of the planet, and discovered, lo and behold, water ice. 
and this is amazing. This is Mercury. <laughs> it's hot. It is really hot. So the cool thing about Mercury is the only way that it's possible that there's water ice on the poles is because Mercury, unlike just about all the rest of the planets in the solar system, orbits almost perfectly upright in relation to the sun. So its poles never like shift. You know how, how we have the, the summer where the North Pole is pointing towards the sun a bit more, and so we in the north have summer and in the south have winter. Well, it doesn't do that. The top is always the same relation to the sun, and it's just cold enough that water ice exists up there in some deep craters, which is flipping awesome. They also possibly discovered some organic molecules, which is also exciting. Um, Organic molecules not to be mixed up with biological material. Organic molecules are things that we know construct biological life, usually things like carbons. Um, so not alive stuff, but possibly used to be alive stuff. I mean, at the very, very most. But anyway, water ice on Mercury, freaking awesome. The fact that we're finding water ice across the solar system just excites the hell out of me. Um, but yeah, so... That's really nifty. We could probably go to the poles of Mercury at the point where we're exploring our, our solar system and uh, have a little base, set up some shop. The rest of Mercury can get as hot as 800 degrees Fahrenheit, so kind of a no-go. But the poles, <laughs> poles are golden down in the, in the uh, cratery thing. So anyway, that, I thought that was really exciting. Um, the other thing was lovely Miss J sent me on a field trip to go watch Star Trek in the movie theater. And, uh, <laughs> and I didn't even know they were doing this, so I'm completely bad, bad Trek fan. But um, they're very, very diligently and um, very painstakingly uh, transferring all of the entire season of Star Trek The Next Generation into HD. So they're releasing them on Blu-ray, one, one season at a time. And so this was kind of a special event to, talk, to, to show off season two, which has just now been released, I guess. Um, so we watched a couple of episodes. We watched, um, uh, oh, the Q-Who, Q I think it was called. It was the one where they meet the Borg for the first time. Q shoots them over into the Gamma Quadrant or whatever, and they're like, we can take care of ourselves. We can handle whatever comes at us. Really? And, the Borg come, and the Borg are like, um, you will die now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, so then they get really scared. And they run away and they ask you for help. So anyway, that was really, really cool. And shockingly good looking. I mean, it was it was watching 1080p on a big screen, which is like not the same quality as a film. But if you, they did a lot of swipes. They did a lot of um, standard def and then swiped to the same image, same still image to the HD version and gorgeously restored, gorgeously um, turned into HD. So when I bring that bad boy home, which I'm totally doing, and stick it on my lovely 40-inch television, it's going to look smashing. Um, also, lots of really nice extras. They had a nice gag reel, which I did laugh very hard at. Um, and some interviews, the 25th anniversary get-together of the entire cast talking about their stuff. And um, the second episode we watched was the one where Data is on trial to decide whether or not he's property or a life form. That one was an extended version because there was actually 12 minutes of extra footage shot. It was an ex exceedingly wordy script. turned out to be a lot longer than they meant it to, and so they cut these 12 minutes out and they stuck them back in on the, D on the DVD, which was nice because it was all character development stuff. Um, I just said DVD. That's going to be hard to break that habit. <laughs> so anyway, 
that's an exciting thing. I'm I'm fairly certain it's out now. I mean, I would expect they would put that out in advance of Christmas. So if you have any Trek people in your life, um, go look for TNG on Blu-ray. It's uh, you'll remember why that show is so awesome because it is just awesome and it looks gorgeous now too. So anyway, well, and I I actually really love Red Letter Media has done um, a review of basically every Star Trek: The Next Generation movie nice. ever made. And they're just as bitingly uh, spot on with their uh, reviews of them and how bad they are in comparison to the how great the series was. Because Star Trek The Next Generation, once it took and, and started, was able to stand on its own mm-hmm. without being in the shadow of original Trek, right. had some amazing episodes. It really did. Which was pretty much season two. I mean, season two is where they have those incredible episodes, like meeting the board for the first time and that episode with Data, which is just heart-wrenching um, and devastatingly intelligent. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say season two is where it got pretty darn awesome. And from well, there... Well, yeah, it, and then season three is where it just went boom and just bonkers. took off. I mean, yeah. yeah. You had episodes that had to deal with the um, basically the prime directive and are, <laughs> are we going to destroy the Borg or not? No, we're not going to. They deserve to live. You have... Um, that was one of the things that, that the Red Letter Media people um, really picked up on was how different Picard got from the TV series mm-hmm. to the films. They, I, I don't really know if they knew what they were doing with that character. I guess they thought that having a, a man who was disciplined and moral, had a moral code and you know appreciated life and wasn't a crazy, like, you know, I don't know what they were trying to do with him in the films. But the difference is stunning when you see it uh, in comparison to what they wrote in the the show to to what they did to him in the movies. I guess maybe everybody was thinking that they ought to to explore the um, progression of the characters on into their, you know, the later parts of their lives after these. It wasn't even that. It was different. Yeah, they changed a lot of their basic character traits, a lot of their root. Um, you know, the fundamental things that drove each one of them sort of were tweaked ever so slightly, and it, it was kind of weird. But, um, yeah, no, the show is, the show, for, well, forever for me will be a childhood memory of every single Thursday, I think it was, but I might be ma- making that up. But every week after dinner, my dad and my brother and I would sit down and watch Star Trek, and I was probably, gosh, if it was 89 in season two, then I was six. I so would, as, it, as it went on, it was 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and, and I was just enraptured. I could not stop watching it. It's definitely imprinted on my memory. Yeah, I think I, I was 14 when it, 13 when it started. Mm-hmm. And um, that was just, I remember my sister and I um, just being crazy excited about it. And I immediately fell in love with Data. That yeah. just happened. Ooh. And yeah, Data yeah. and Q. I fell in love with Data and Q, like, hardcore. <laughs> and um, all these other girls like, will we? No. No. <laughs> Data. <laughs> Data. Give me the unemotional robot and I will yeah. be happy. Um, but then I, I remember watching the first episode where he was walking around with DeForest Kelly. And I actually cried. I mean, mm-hmm. you see Bones there and, and he's walking around. Oh, man. To this day, it gets me. And... Um, so yeah, if I totally get, get this because I got to see the first season um, event that they did, and the, the it's stunning quality. It really they've is. really they've they've 
up the this they've fixed some of the problems with some of the um special effects they've upgraded them uh the oh, crystalline right. entity yeah i totally forgot about that i mean as well as just cleaning up the picture and making the picture hd what they've done with a lot of the special effects like when the ship is orbiting a, a planet is they've gone in and actually done an hd planet i mean like it, it's it's no longer just a, a <laughs> it's no longer like a fuzzy ball of kind of orange it's like there's land masses and water and clouds and atmosphere, and it's gorgeous. Yeah, they've really just went above and beyond with this release. And yeah. that's why it's taking so long for them to do it. Yeah. Because they're putting so much work into it. And that's, that's don't complain do. about that. Be appreciative that Paramount is doing that and, and taking yeah. the time to make it what it should be and, and really doing it right. Yeah, it's um, clear that people working on it have a good deal of love for what they're doing. All of them, yeah. I mean, I think they even talked to some of the people that are working on it in the mm-hmm. um, in the extras and how all the crazy amounts of detail that they're going into. So mm-hmm. you should totally pick that up. Um, one and two are now, I believe, available on Blu-ray. So Star Trek The Next Generation, for any geek in your life, that's another good one to add to the Christmas list mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so moving on to what this episode is about tonight for sure um, is the mid-season finales uh, that we just had this weekend and um, we're going to focus first on The Walking Dead and um, I want to um, first of all I want to uh, introduce the the little brief interview I've got with uh, Chad L. Coleman who plays Tyrese uh, that was a big surprise for everybody when that was the first character you saw this season or i'm sorry this mid-season finale show up was tyrese because we had just been told only a day or two before it aired that he had been cast and then surprise kind of like they did with doctor who here's your new character um and this is all you're going to see of him for another two or three freaking months because he's going to turn into a Dalek and then they're going to make you know he's going to make soufflés and you're going to wonder how he did that how did you get the milk (laughs) um but yeah so I actually got to talk to him today and um very awesome guy so you can tell he's completely excited and also they've already finished filming this season it's done it's in the can so he can't talk about much um, at all, but we did get to hear about how he was um, chosen for this role, and and um, what's interesting about Chad Col- Chad L. Coleman is, if you own the video game Left for Dead Two, then you've already seen this man fight zombies. He was the voice of Coach in um, Left for Dead uh, Two, who was one of the main characters, one of the main survivors that you're allowed you can play in the game, which I thought was hilarious when I found that out. I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. god. That has to be so. One of the questions that you don't get to hear me ask, because my audio was eaten, was if that factored into his being cast in this. And no, it didn't. He was laughing about that. He, I guess, no one's really picked up on that yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, by the way, go play Tyrese in Love for Dead too. Um, he uh, he said that really what got them to choose him for this part was his work on The Wire, mm-hmm. and he, he was in The Wire as I believe his name was Cuddy. Um, and, uh, he did some great work in that and that got his attention, uh, the attention of Glenn Mazzara and AMC and those guys. And, um, apparently they had been talking to his agents even before he even knew about it. So that's, that's, you know, you're, you're pretty much hired at that point if they're doing that. 
So they um, they cast him in the role. He uh, they have made some changes with the character, and we I asked him about that. Um, and uh, basically, it sounds like they are just going to roll with it because he can't really with what they've the changes they've done with Tyrese which is obvious if you've read the comics you know he's got a daughter and her boyfriend were the two one of the two big story points with his character well they don't have those in this episode he, he doesn't have with him. who was the girl then they have created a new character his sister oh that's his sister that's his sister in it okay. so that still leaves open and that's what um i'm gonna open lead into this little snippet of audio um for those who have read the comic, you know that Tyrese gets it on with Carol. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, upsetting <laughs> as a non-comic reader, I have to say, darn it, Daryl. Oh, okay. But not not good things happen as oh. as that whole relationship progresses, and once Michonne shows up. So I don't know if they're going to play that out. But I had to ask about that um, when I asked um, him about working on this show in comparison to other television. Because he's got a huge history of television work. Uh, so here is um, my brief, very brief interview with Chad L. Coleman, who plays Tyrese on The Walking Dead. So I wanted to talk to you about um, the how it is to be on this set specifically because it seems like this show is more epic in scale almost like a movie every week and opposed to the history that you've got with working in television and also just to sneak in there is there any chance of you and carol um hooking up There you have it. Um, so yeah, uh, he was laughing hysterically about uh, Carol <laughs> and, and saying, "I would love for that to happen." <laughs> um, but uh, it, he sounds great. He sounds very excited to be a part of the show. And he um, also, what you didn't get to hear because of my crappy audio drama, is the fact that he has nothing but love and respect for Andrew Lincoln and his his 
basically being the the chief he's andrew lincoln is the nathan fillion of walking dead he is the man he's the captain and he takes everything to heart for that show and so that's awesome to hear um so with that being said on to discussion of the mid-season finale and i freaking loved it uh the um I love the fact that they even snuck Ghost Shane in there and that he had his hair back. I love his hair. Uh, (laughs) Not all. Keep your hair. Don't ever shave your head again. Um, I thought that was a neat little little deal. And um, also the fact that I guess with he had the beard due to filming something else at the time. So they had to kind of work that in. But uh uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I loved how they, st- I almost thought they, now, now, Ren, you tell me, did you think they were starting it out with a flash forward with how the prison looked? I did, yeah. I assumed something horrible had happened at the prison because the fence was down and a giant explosion in the walls. Yeah, and, that's uh, what I thought had gone on. And we, we were both definitely going, what, is this like something bad has happened or is this just the other side of the prison? Yeah, well, and I guess it's just the other side of the prison, but my yeah. lord, uh, I don't that know. That would have been cool. I would, I, well, I thought, I was like, oh, God, don't tell me they're lost in this out already. I, I was really not wanting that to happen. But um, I really liked how that led into it, and I loved the scenes with Carl. That yes. kid is just becoming a complete badass. He really is, and that's so funny because... Season two, Carl bugged the hell out of me. Like he was so, he was making the dumbest choices and like doing the stupidest things. Or, or they had him, they'd written him to do these really stupid things, and he was killing me with how dumb he was. And uh, of all the people I can complain about in season three, because unfortunately I'm not quite as jazzed at him anymore. Carl, thank God, is not one of them. Like he actually is. Uh, doing smart things and has, he just has barely any dialogue but of that dialogue it's very smart dialogue and uh, he seems to have figured out what it is to live in this world very quickly which makes sense because kids adapt to stuff faster than, than kids, adults do. Right and I think part of the reason he's so quiet is I mean first of all like what they talked about with um, when I when I talked to Andrew Lincoln about the how they get into how do you build up this rapport after you've been on the run for seven months and Mm -hmm. we don't get to see this. And he talked about what they worked on and really it's quiet because Mm -hmm. noise attracts the walkers. And so that makes sense that he's so quiet because he's been trained now over the course of almost a year not to make noise. And so that makes sense. I really like that part of, of it. And I like He's had to grow up so quickly yeah. and, and, and learn. Because back in season two and season one, he's still this fairly much, pretty much a kid. Now yeah. he's like hitting adolescence hardcore and, and having to deal with this just horrible world he's living in. Mm-hmm. And it's going to F you up as a kid. But yeah. he's, you know, he's also got a great role model in his father of... You know, our dude, yeah, well, <laughs> granted, I think Rick's allowed a little bit of breakdown at that point, but the kid, you know, manned up yeah. and he realized what he had to do. And, and it, some of it, like, I, I've, extra- I've sort of extrapolated this myself, and some of that is fun to do when you watch a show like this is to, to make 
assumptions of things that haven't really been described. In this case, I wish they had actually made this part of the plot and made it quite clear that a lot of his maturing was as um, was his kind of realization that his actions directly led to the death of Dale, and, right? And that that sobered him up real quick. And so I think I'm taken to just deciding that that's that's what happened. It would have been nice if the show had bothered to actually explore that and make that clear on its own. But I'll just take it as as my own <laughs> my own assumption of uh, some of his motivations for not being an idiot anymore. Well, and I think that really is part of it too. I mean, that whole scenario and that whole part of season two, you saw that happen to him. You saw it in his eyes. You saw it in his reaction. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that he he killed Shane. Yeah. You know, again. I mean, yeah, Rick did it, and I think he saw that his father. If his dad was able to kill a man that was that close to him, because he knew how close that his father and and Shane mm-hmm. were, um, and then he realized that's not Shane anymore. Yeah, what these creatures are. Um, it, it's you know, I mean, that kid. Yeah, it's, a, it's a fundamental truth of the new world that yeah. you know, even people you love will die, and sometimes you'll be the one to kill them. Right, and he's he's accepted that fact because he is a kid, and they do adapt quickly because he's still learning i mean he's learning about the world and this is the world he's in so this is what is that yeah exactly yeah so i really love that aspect of it i love that line from tyrese where he says you know it's his house you know basically yeah you know the unspoken last half of that that phrase is his house his rules right right and i really dug that i thought that was great and and carl wasn't like being he basically is turned into mini Rick at yeah. that point. And before Rick lost it, which is good. Right. And now Rick's kind of slowly getting it back, even though we we're having ghost Shane show ghost up and Shane. Ghost Sorry. Shane. You God. brought your hair back. The hair's not dead. I saw that and I I I groaned audibly going, Okay, fine, now he's seeing ghost Shane and Josh said that <laughs> Josh was saying when Rick gets back and sees the the new people he'll hallucinate and see Shane's face on all of them and <laughs> or some I don't remember what he said. But <laughs> no, I think I, I like that though. I think that's good and I I'm, I I think you know he can't come back from that completely yet. You know, he's he's done pretty well, but I mean he's yeah, put in a situation now. Then? I have I. I... Well, also, you got to remember, he's got, like, how... They don't have any gas masks on. What the hell kind of smoke are they? Hallucination (laughs) crap. It's just... Yeah, no, it's not. But, I mean, I hate to whine about it so quickly, but honest to God, if you're going to do something like that, like, make it mean something. That was that was a nobody. That was literally nobody in a... Yeah, I... I, I, That's true. I... I, I, Why? Why do that? I, I, it's true. I, I think it's mainly though because he's suddenly having to. To they're fighting people. You yeah. think that in a world that has very little in the way of population probably left, that people wouldn't try to solder one another. But that's what's going on. And so when he thinks about killing another person, who's the first one that's going to pop into his head? I guess. Yeah, Shame. I mean, I, I, that makes sense. I, again, though, it's like, why are we the ones extrapolating this? Why is the show trying to shoehorn stuff so, in there? It's like they were sitting around the table going, we got to have we gotta have Rick hallucinate and, sh- and see Shane. 
Where can we do that? Uh, let's throw it in the gunfight. Like, it just feels <laughs> so, like, haphazardly tossed together where they're just trying to put in elements wherever they fit rather than telling a cohesive, logical story where people do well, logical stuff. You got to remember, too, they only have so much time. And this episode really did have a that lot. It doesn't matter. They had the same amount of time in season one when the show was unspeakably awesome. I mean, it's, it doesn't suck. I, I, I will caveat this right now. On the scale of 1 to 10, it's a solid 7.5 or an 8. It used to be a 10, in my opinion. So I'm whining at the loss of two points, but it's still miles better than a lot of other stuff on television. But um, the one thing I did want to talk about, though, was I loved, and we all knew it was going to happen. We knew Daryl and Merle were going to get put back together. Um, But before we get to that, I have to talk about Michonne and the Governor. Michonne and the Governor. That was epic that was was the fight that everybody had been waiting for it was brutal it was visceral it was not pretty it was not clean by any stretch of the imagination it was just a grapple to the death and where a tiny 120 pound woman fights a six and a half foot man she got the living crap beat out of her i mean the only by the grace of her glass did she stop it which she reached for for all of like 20 seconds during which at any point of time he could have ended that. I mean, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, well, you're, you're, you're calling out on somebody that had just lost the only piece of his previous life he had left. He kept exactly. his daughter who was Feral. dead. He, he watched. He would not have let her live. He was, but he wasn't able to do. I mean, he's a fighter, though. You got to remember that too, and I I love that fight. I'm sorry you can you can belittle the fight all you want. I <laughs> loved it. I I thought it was awesome, and I think that 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 was um I want to I wish I could punch the person that spoiled it for me that he got his oh. eye poked out. Oh, that's yeah, that's a that's a spoiler. Because someone well you know you saw her reaching for the glass. I did not call the eye. I mean, I was thinking, where's she going to put it? Probably neck, eyeball. Totally surprised. That was well. Me. And see, that's the thing is the governor that happens, and the governor has his eye patch and everything, and then the comics, and it's it's a it's a big deal that he gets the patch now because he's looking more and more like our governor from the comic books. Right. But I I was not happy about that. Somebody had said that I guess overseas they have different. promos Mm. and someone just decided to mention yeah better promos over and blah 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 we got to see one-eyed governor i'm like god damn it Ah, spoilers yeah thank you dick um (laughs) so yeah i was like oh here it comes here it comes and even though it was still awesome to see it's like it would have been so much better if I hadn't known, and then I could have stood up like everyone else I knew and go, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and that would have been great. But no, I had to have it spoiled. But that, I well, love I that scene. Yeah. I mean, I didn't I had, know it was coming. I mean, because, of course, I don't read the comics, so I had no frame of reference. But I can tell you that not knowing the eye was going to get it was definitely exciting to see the eye get it. Oh, sure. And then I loved the, um, I loved his, his, his uh shoving her into the into the, into the uh, zombie heads I know. Ah. oh my god okay you that... know what immediately popped in my head when i saw that there's a there's a they might be giants song called fish heads which you may or may not know but all <laughs> oh, I I, of... i've heard fish heads yeah wait what what is 
Oh no, it wasn't Fish Heads. It was <laughs> okay, totally different song. The only place I've ever heard this song is in The Lion King, where one of the guys is singing to Scar, and he says something like, I've got the lovely bunch of coconuts. So in my head, I was singing, I've got the lovely bunch of zombie heads. There they are, sitting in the row. So, okay, that's where my head goes where I, when I see a row of zombie heads. I don't know if I should be horrified or enchanted <laughs> by that. I, I really don't know. But I, I really love that fight. And then, and, and as we knew, Merle and Daryl were reunited. And I really, really liked that whole scene. And I just wanted, I, I want to cuddle Norman Reedus no matter what anyway. But I, I really wanted to cuddle him because he looked so scared and disoriented. And like, we didn't know where to look when he's standing there next to his brother. And, and I'm like, oh, Daryl. At the same time that I loved what Norman Reedus was doing, and I felt for for uh, Daryl in that position, I could not wrap my brain around what was the point of that. What was the point of the governor betraying Merle? Like, how does that make any sense oh, at all? Oh, I I actually I actually read on uh, someone pointed this out. I'm like, that's why. It's because he lied about Michonne being dead. Oh, God. See, again, dudes, like, I wish I could sit down in front of the people writing the show and say, guys, explain crap to us. Like, thanks for giving us credit for being an intelligent audience. Like, most shows don't. But every now and then, like, give us a hand for flipping. No, I, I, I didn't even think about that. I was thinking more of lines. He's just pissed off, and it's his brother, you know. But then uh. someone had posted that, and I'm like, that, that makes complete sense now. It does make po- much more sense because yeah. I was rap- tra- racking my brain, going, "What strategical benefit does this give the governor at all?" And like, because that is he lied, that is, yeah, because he lied, yeah, because because he lied, he lost his daughter. Yes, and, and oh, now yes. He, yeah, that yeah, and now he's nothing. yeah, and now he's going to lose his brother. That's what right. this comes out, and I think it's going to lead to. I was right all along, and Merle is going to go down. Defending his brother from the governor. Nah. I think that's going to happen. Not that predictable. I just had, I think- so, oh, I had so much trouble with this. I was like, why is Michonne trying to kill the governor? Uh, my boyfriend Joshua had an excellent idea, which is that Michonne is in love with Andrea, and the governor well, stole Andrea from her. Well, in the, it, it, they might be leaning that way, but also in the comic books, Michonne and the governor have some horrifying torture scenes. Oh yeah, and and rape. But if you're not going to do torture. that, then then why yeah. have Michonne like uh, sneak away from the rest of the group and sit in the governor's office and just wait for him? I mean, what that does is it is it it signifies some kind of very very deep seated motivation for murder. And we've seen nothing to warrant. I know any, it's, any it, kind of it was a little extreme. So I I don't know because he, he did do some things to her, but I don't think it was anything that would warrant that unless there's yeah. something that he she knows or seen that is really irking her. Yeah, and then also okay, I'm totally like bringing you into my <laughs> I'm bringing you into my horrible realm of complaining. How can they hit every zombie with a headshot in one shot every time and then not hit anybody that's alive ever, even though they have semi-automatics? 
it's the A-team philosophy. If no one gets hit. <laughs> no one gets hit at all. Ever. Um, but I think, oh my God, dude, I think we've ran out of time. Sure. I think we've ran out of time and we haven't even gotten to Once Upon a Time yet. So oh, I'm no. sorry, Oncers. We didn't get to talk about that. It was great. I loved it. I had a total Goonies flashback when I saw the pirate ship. And I do have to you and what? Rachel should talk about you. You and Rachel should hash that out next week. Yeah, because we do have another month before, or yeah, a month before that comes back. But I do have to say this because Rachel's not here and she can't com- complain about it. But Emma's bitchiness came back to bite her in the <laughs> ass in this episode. Yeah. So yay. Um, but anyway, yay hook forever. I love hook now. Yay hook. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, God, Regina came back with that. I love flashback Regina because she is styling. Oh, my God. So with that being said, and and, um, we've hashed out um, pretty much the entire Walking Dead midseason. I hate you, February. You're too far away. This sucks. But, But keep in mind, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, they are replaying the entire first, second, and 3.1 3.1 of The Walking Dead uh, back to back New Year's Eve, New Year's Day on AMC I'm going to be watching the extended edition of Lord of the Rings 15 hours worth of Blu-ray <laughs> glory <laughs> So uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day season 1 through the mid-season finale of season 3 back to back on AMC which will be awesome to watch um, So get caught up if you haven't caught up yet You have no re- excuse I have no sympathy or respect for you if you're not watching The Walking Dead. Or mercy. (laughs) Or mercy. You will have no mercy. So um, thanks, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode where we just babbled pretty much the entire time (laughs) about Shane and his awesome hair coming back from the grave. Oh, Shane. I love it. Uh, So thank you, guys, and we'll see you next week on Fangirl Radio. Um, Yeah. See you guys and uh, catch you at the Hobbit. Hobbit. <laughs> Hobbit. Next week. <laughs> oh, we're so over time. I know. I know. We're over time. Sorry, Amanda. Ghostly Amanda. All right, guys. See you later. Bye bye. Ah, oh, Breaker One Nine. This here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, love machine. Oh, ten four pig pen.
1,000 pedals was mashing the metal, and bears was walking the grass. We trucked all day and we trucked all night, Big Benny improving our style. We could tell by the smell we was heading for hell, and the devil was dirty lie. Smile from dirty old Lyle shows south from the North Texas shore. Must be 